Devils knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is a whopping episode 400. Jason Lingren is with me. It's just the two of us, and we are going to revisit No Nukes. And the big thing about revisiting No Nukes is it is it's topical. But here's the thing: what we're going to talk about and the logic that we use when we think about such things can be applied to nearly anything. So I'm going to introduce. Crow's Law that is not Crow's Law yet. It needs work, but the idea will inform you of what I'm trying to put forward as a way to consider things. For a long time, I've been working in the back of my mind this thing called Crow's Law of Crossroads. I think we first brought it up, Jason, must have been the Robert Johnson episode, or was it a Marie Curie episode? Do you remember? I think it was the Robert Johnson. Could be, since Crossroads is the big thing with Robert Johnson. The same logic applies. So here's the idea, and I'm not saying this is a law for me. When I say it's a law, it means for me, I take it on board and I use it as such. But here it is. At any crossroad, a decision must be made. There's no choice, basically. You have to make a decision. You can turn left, you can turn right, you can go back, you can go straight, or you can remain where you are. This logic, which is taught to us by the crossroads, can be applied to information. So when new information is put before you, and this is the thing about information, you may be minding your own business and you sit down, all of a sudden the TV says something to you. Guess what? You've just been drugged to the crossroad. You can reject the info, accept it, modify it, ignore it, or challenge it. This is the part that needs work. But the point is, in your mind, you should be considering, I was walking, oh, guess what? I'm at a crossroad. I have to make a decision. There is no other option. And the reason it's important to comprehend this is because if you choose not to make a decision, which is also a choice, um, television and things like that will just have you making left turns in your subconscious and other things like that. And I didn't break that down so well, and I'll roll it out when it's a little better thought through. But would you add anything to that, Jason? I mean, this, this applies to so many things, and we'll show you why Marie Curie is representative of this because the Mercury sign is. Lock, stock, and barrel used for Marie Curie, and the crossroad is right in that symbol. Well, why a left turn? Why not a right turn? Exactly. Exactly. And I'll tell you why. Because you didn't choose. If you would have sat there and carefully examined, your mind would have said, well, this is the best direction. Or maybe your mind would have said, I'm not sure, so I'll put this in my back pocket. This is reject, accept, modify, ignore, which is one of the options. When I say ignore, what I'm usually saying is I'll put that in my back pocket and I'll come back to it when I know more than I do, or you can challenge and the challenge should happen. I mean, the moment you do one of these things, a new logic tree opens up in front of you. For me, what I try to do all the time is challenge it right out of the gate, unless I know automatically from a life lived that I should accept it. Um, But if you do not take any action, this is how we fall into falling for there are nuclear weapons and that Marie Curie was a real person. Just say it. And let's start this off with a quote from Marie Curie. Be less curious about people and more curious about ideas. (laughs) So Marie Curie is going to give us all these supposed facts. She's going to call those supposed facts ideas and she's going to say, don't. Yeah, don't don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. I'm comfortable with saying Marie Curie never existed as a living human being. If it was modeled on some living person that was in our midst at some point, um, it doesn't matter. We've seen everything about her faked to the point where even on the Big Bang Theory and other very popular media sources, she was regularly trotted out in a way that was saying to your mind, this is a fact, believe in me. Marie Curie is a put-up, and how do we know that? We know this so many ways, but if you simply apply the logic of the crossroads to nuclear weapons, you will see that that can't exist without the foundation of Marie Curie. That's why Marie Curie had to be invented. What would you add, Jason? So before we dive in, let's make a statement for all to ponder. No atomic weapons of any sort have ever been used in an aggressive stance after the claimed events of World War II. If nuclear weapons existed as described, one might think that they would have been used somewhere again, but they haven't. There's plenty of evidence to suggest that atomic weapons do not work, as anyone has claimed in the mainstream since 1945, 
The good news is, if they do exist, none of the handful of nations would dare to use one for fear that one might be used right back on them. No one would want to unleash a conflict with the claimed power of what these weapons supposedly do. So either they exist and no one would be daft enough to use them, or they don't exist at all and it's all just a bunch of peacocks strutting around to scare the normies. Either way, ladies and gentlemen, you can sleep just fine tonight. That can cover no more. All right, everybody listening, imagine the mercurial sign in your mind. You know what it looks like. There's a cross. There's a little round thing. Looks like a head. There's these little things above it. Look like a horn, which is actually more closely related with a partial moon. But just imagine that. The crossroads is built right into this. So if we use the logic that I'm trying to work out into a meaningful thing, I might someday be able to call a law, or at least that I treat as a law. We have to take it apart from the beginning. Here's the simplest logic that will get you there that I'm aware of. So Jason mentioned that they've never been used again since they were used in supposed aggression in World War II. Well, what were those? That was Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Here's where it all falls falls apart. If you take the time to challenge what's being put in front of you, you are told that it destroys cells. Radiation destroys cells. No living thing, no plant, no animal, no water. It's all going to be polluted. Back then, they were telling us for thousands of years was the half-life. This is what you've been told nuclear weapons do. Well, here's where it all fall apart. There has never been a time when plants, animals, human beings, and drinkable water have not existed at either Nagasaki or Hiroshima. For that matter, if you want to take it further, as they're still trying to warp your mind into being afraid of this magical red button that can destroy the whole world by one button push, think of Anthony Bourdain going to Chernobyl. He's got to put on an x-ray badge. He's just fine as long as he doesn't go there longer than the magical however many minutes they've put on it. It's all a put up. And if you put logic on what you've been told these things do, you can know it instantly. Go look at Chernobyl. They will tell you flat out that there has never been such an explosion of life because people aren't there. Animals, plants. Wait a minute, guys. Animals, plants have cells. To take this one step further, go to the crossroads. What am I saying? Uh, The Bikini Atoll. That was Operation Crossroads. You, You catching on here? There's never been a time when life hasn't existed on the Bikini Atoll. And we'll get into these things a little more as we go through, Jason. Yeah, the Bikini Atoll is thriving completely and utterly these days. But they still won't let people go back there, the people who did live there anyway. Well, the people that supposedly lived there were removed, but they regularly do go back there. And here's the problem. The trees thriving. Well, how are those? Those, those trees have cells. How, how is that possible? The half-life was whatever they used to say, 10,000 years. They modify that what the half-life is because there's all these magical different kinds of bombs. There's a hydrogen, there's an, there's all these variables they put in to try to confuse us, but they tell you, and here's where it falls apart further. Well, we can go there for an hour or whatever they want to claim. You can go there safely and leave without being radiated to death, but don't you dare eat a coconut or a crab or you're going to die. Well, guess what? Everything that lives there is eating a crab. Every shark, every whatever eats crabs is eating everything that's been there and they have all along and there is a plethora of life. Now, occasionally they'll try to confuse that by saying, oh, all these things that used to be here are gone now. Point is, is there life? If the answer is yes, then there are cells. Now there's a problem with the narrative. Nuclear weapons destroy cells. So we're going to do a couple of modern day articles to show how they beat the drum of the atomic weapon. The first one's going to be from Reuters, August 28th, 2020. Russia releases secret footage of 1961 Tsar Bama hydrogen blast. Russia has released previously classified footage of the world's largest nuclear explosion caused when the Soviet Union detonated the so-called Tsar Bama almost 60 years ago. The hydrogen bomb, which carried the force of 50 million tons of conventional explosives, was detonated in a test in October of 1961, 4,000 meters over the remote Novaya Zemlya archipelago above the Arctic Circle. The footage shows an immense fireball and a 16-kilometer-high mushroom cloud rising after the explosion lit up the sky. The views were captured from several angles by cameras installed on the ground and on board two Soviet aircraft. 
Quote, the testing of an exceptionally powerful hydrogen load confirmed that the Soviet Union is in possession of a thermonuclear weapon with power of 50 megatons, 100 megatons, and more, a narrator tells the audience. The documentary was published online for the first time by Russian state nuclear agency Rosatom last week as part of events to mark the 75th anniversary of Russia's atomic industry. Developed between 1956 and 1961 as the Soviet Union engaged in a nuclear arms race with the United States, the Tsar Bomba, the king of bombs, was the largest hydrogen bomb ever and was claimed to be 3,300 uh huh, 33 times as destructive as the weapon that leveled Hiroshima. There's your 33. And isn't it just amazing that our imaginary enemy who comes and goes, but most of the time is our imaginary enemy, Russia, has always been in a race with us for things that never happen. There's the nuclear race. Uh, where's the real evidence that any of this exists? We've seen all these places where you said this, that, or the other thing has happened, but we can tell that's not correct. What about the moon race? All the blood and treasure and everything. We did that, what is it, Jason? It's well over 15, 50 years by now. Uh, we had a big race that was the be-all and end-all of existence as they build it back then, and no one's been there since. These things are put-ups, but one of the big tells here is to get you afraid of the power. They always tell you how many megatons it is, and what they do is tell you, well, for to have an equivalent explosion, you'd need this much TNT. Well, we all know TNT exists. Um, and by the way, did you know that a, a blast from anything that burns quickly enough and is sufficient in size will create a mushroom cloud? That's another thing they've done. They've branded that if you see a mushroom cloud, that's a nuke. Well, that's not true. Go online and look at how many different kinds of explosions create that very appearance. And for the second article, Wall Street Journal, March 27th, 2022. Putin stokes nuclear fears with atomic weapons warnings. When Russia unveiled previously secret details of its nuclear weapons doctrine for the first time in 2020, it confirmed something U.S. war planners had long suspected. Moscow would be willing to use atomic arms to keep from losing a conventional war. Since Russian President Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine last month, he has repeatedly raised the specter of nuclear war, invoking his country's atomic arsenal in an effort to deter the U.S. and the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO, from getting involved in the conflict. But as Mr. Putin's army has faced fierce resistance from Ukrainian forces, strengthened by large infusions of Western weaponry, concerns have grown in Washington and allied capitals that Russia could consider using a so-called tactical nuclear weapon to gain the upper hand on the battlefield. Such weapons, which generally have a less powerful warhead than a strategic nuclear weapon carried on an intercontinental ballistic missile, were part of Cold War military thinking, though they never figured into the arms control agreements of the past between the U.S. and Russia or the Soviet Union. So get those minds afraid. Uh, the little... A little article from March 27 this year, Putin stokes nuclear fears. That's the only true thing you were just told. That's that's what's going on. But but think about it. They're telling you, oh, there's this doctrine that we've suspected. And Moscow would be willing to use an atomic arms to keep from losing conventional war. Really? What happened in Afghanistan, Russian? So that's false. Um, but the point here is they go through setting benchmarks for your mind. And then at the end, they say, and by the way, we probably wouldn't pop a real big one. We'll do one of these little tactical ones. So if we had to fake it, we could just use a ton of TNT or something like that. Um, and on and on we go here. Uh, this Cold War, well, it starts with the moon, right? That the enemy is Russia and they keep coming back to it. Part of the reason is because not that many connections between Russia and the United States. It's far away. Very few people have been there. And it's easy to get the bigotry card going and make people think that somehow living men and women in Russia are different than us. They're not quite human. And that's what it takes to buy into these things. Finishing on with this article, the move would be aimed at crushing Ukraine's will to fight, turning the tide of the war or signaling that current levels of Western support, including transfers of anti-tank and air defense systems, 
are intolerable, Russian and Western analysts say. The first use of an atomic weapon since the U.S. bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki at the end of World War II would likely cause major damage and radioactive contamination to any Ukrainian city hit, and perhaps beyond, depending on wind and other factors. It could also confront Washington and Europe with a major security test. Further complicating efforts to predict Mr. Putin's actions, Mr. Topachanov said, is that it is difficult to gauge the nature of Kremlin decision-making. The biggest question is how rational the Russian leadership is right now, he said. I don't know what kind of information he is getting. In the days before the invasion, Mr. Putin led an exercise of Russia's strategic forces, launching some of the country's most cutting-edge missiles like the hypersonic Kinzhal. At the start of the invasion, he warned of consequences, quote, the likes of which you have never seen in history, unquote, if the West intervened. Yeah, I'm just saying, oh, please, sir, if any of this was true and you used a weapon that could do what everyone claims nukes do and there was ever any backfire, someone else did it. And why would they mess with the West? Supposedly, we're the only nation that's ever dropped it on another nation in wartime. It's all nonsense, but listen to the language here. Um, it says the U.S. bombing of Hiroshima and, Naki, and Nagasaki at the end of World War II, and then it goes on to say if Russia does it, their tactical one, it would likely cause major damage. Well, make up your mind, boys. Does it spread radiation? Is the half-life 10,000 miles? Does it destroy all living things in their cells, or doesn't it? Um, you just got to read between the lines here. And the problem is, is that so many people are bought into this idea. They have difficulty even using the crossroads idea where you've got to stop. You've got to see what you're being presented with and apply a little logic, but it's no different than going to the moon. How is it that we haven't been there for more than a lifetime of most people now? And people still think that we did it. That's not the way the world works. You do a thing, that thing becomes easier as you move past the point where you did it. And that could be applied to nukes too. They supposedly did it to a nation. Uh, the only problem is, is we have brains and we understand that there's never been a time when plants, animals, drinkable water, and human beings haven't existed on both of those sites. And by the way, Jason, I didn't get all the way to the end. Are we going to cover how during the, the Nagasaki Hiroshima, there was one Western reporter allowed in one everyone else was barred so the news and all that you got was from one guy they picked and sent in in the west that's completely true yes i did not completely focus on exactly the same things that we did in episode 53 the original no nukes episode so if there's details people want about certain areas they're probably in episode 53 because i wanted to get some new information into this episode so before we jump in, I'll lay down, Rose sent me uh, a message. So here's some of the episodes that take the logic we're trying to apply here um, in a time where it's timely because everybody's being made to be afraid for these ideas. Episode 56 includes Maria Curie and the Crossroads. We did a couple episodes with the Jungle Surfer, but Rose singled out Mercury episodes 88 and 132 Episode 71, and then the all-important Duck and Cover No More, episode 53. Um, these are the ones. I think 53 is the main game in town there, unless you want to get specifically into Mercury, which is dead center. We're about to get into this idea, but this is why alchemy matters. This is why all the old myths matter, the old symbols, what they knew about the sky clock, because under everything you'll find the crossroads in the nuclear idea, and that is lifted from the Mercury symbol. And the last article I wanted to point out, The Guardian, March 27th, 2022, Russia reasserts right to use nuclear weapons in Ukraine. Senior politician Dmitry Medvedev says Moscow's nuclear doctrine does not require enemy state to use such weapons first. The Kremlin again raised the specter of the use of nuclear weapons in the war with Ukraine as Russian forces struggled to hold a key city in the south of the country. Dmitry Medvedev, a former Russian president who is deputy chairman of the country's Security Council, said Moscow could strike against an enemy that only used conventional weapons, while Vladimir Putin's defense minister claimed nuclear readiness was a priority. So, 
if nukes really mess things up, why would you use it on a country you're invading? What are you going to do with it then? <laughs> yeah, what, why, why are you going to go poop while you work, right? Or where Pretty you much. Eat? Exactly. But let's make something perfectly clear here. We are trying to demonstrate to you that nuclear weapons do not exist as described. And to me, that's demonstrable. No one can argue against what I already know because logic has told me these things are not possible. Plus, you got to realize I went through um, Marine Corps training and there's a portion of that which deals with nukes. And when I look back on that, all the more so. This thing in Ukraine, are people suffering? Almost certainly. Are people suffering here in the United States where there is no openly stated war? Yeah, more than they ever had in my lifetime, as far as I can tell. This whole thing is playing on a riff that is currently trying to drive the world. So don't get what we're saying wrong here. The message we're trying to relay is that if you use critical thinking, you will never again be afraid of the specter of a nuclear weapon. That's the point. As far as everything else, yeah, people suffer. That's not what we're addressing here. So all I can suggest here is to take a look at something called the Antarctic Treaty System, signed on December 1st, 1959. And you'll see just how much all of these countries are in opposition to each other when not a single one violates it. Yeah. And, you know, this article that you that you just read is a little more of three years ago. People living where I live thought, oh, we've got these rights that nobody's going to walk over. Well, what's happened? They've been walked over again and again. How was it implemented? Well, pressure was put on corporations and businesses and the people themselves policed the loss of rights. The tone and tenor of the article just read is the same thing. Well, we, we don't have to wait for anyone to use one on us first, which is what always used to be the, the words that were said. Whoever does it first, that's all out the window now. We do what we want. And Jason's point, so spot on. So you want this place called the Ukraine, but you'll nuke it so that it's radioactive for the next 10,000 years or whatever their made up number they're claiming is now. When I was young, Jason, I recall in school, the idea was much longer than 10,000 years. That was the half-life. In other words, it'll be half as bad as it is now in thousands and thousands and thousands of years. But like satellites, that number two has been fudged around to suit the circumstance. Yes, but you'll be fine as long as you go under your desk and put your hands on your head. Yeah, there it is. Go back and look at the Duck and Cover movie with the turtle. That's one of the things we talked about with the Jungle Surfer because he's old like me and he remembers it. That's why the episode 53 um, is called Duck and Cover No More. People were scared to death. Their children were being stopped in the middle of a class and say, jump under your desk. Well, let's use some logic here. You told us that radiation, fallout, all these things were going to happen. And we're going to crawl under a desk. Just everything put forth forces a human mind that's going to buy into it to throw common sense out the window. That's all I can say. Go look up the duck and cover turtle. It's even a child's cartoon pushing these serious ideas out to you. It's beyond the pale when you carefully take apart what's being shown you, how it's being shown you, and then apply logic as if you had just arrived at a crossroad or if you had just received new information, when you receive new information, whether you want it or not, you have to make a decision and it is identical to coming to a crossroad. It's all fear, man. Fear, 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 fear. Do this or this is what's going to happen. Ooh, scary. Here is the mind killer, as Mr. Dune writer told us. Okay, let's take a moment to revisit with our friend, the god Mercury. Mercurius in Latin and associated with Hermes from the Greek, Roman god of eloquence, skill, trading, and thieving. He was the herald and the messenger of the gods. He presided over roads, or the crossroads, and was the conductor of departed souls to Hades. He is usually represented in art as a young man with winged sandals, a winged hat, and is frequently carrying a caduceus. Mercury is said to have been born in a cave at dawn when the light chases away the darkness. Rooster symbolism is often part of his imagery. 
If you go back to episode 53, I'll take the rooster symbolism a little further. I was working on what what the year was when they did supposedly Japan dirt by dropping nukes on them. So they claim uh, it was the year of the rooster. Um, I never got a chance to finish that, but these are important ideas. Now, everybody out there who's heard of Hoaxbusters, some of the work he did is so brilliant. It is concise. It is driven by imagery. It gets straight to the point. And I don't know how anyone watches what he's laying down without the tools to then properly think about what's going on. But what do we know of Mercury in the West? The main thing we know is that little magical wand in his hand called the caduceus. That's our medical symbol. You show me and what Jason just laid down, where Mercury has anything to do with medicine. It's eloquence, skill, trading, thieving, crossroads. He's the messenger. You know, the real staff we should have been using belongs to a different guy. And it's only one snake on a wooden staff. Asclepius. Yeah, Asclepius. And by the way, (laughs) this goes on and on. I've forgotten. Is it Asclepius' mother or someone there is named Coronis? Not kidding. Anyhow, let's get back to the point. Eloquent, skill, trading, thieving. Um, there's your medical caduceus. Roads and crossroads. And who is he? Is Mercury the messenger. He is the one bringing the ideas to your mind or that archetype is being leveraged. Now, in recent episodes, I have pointed out or tried to show that the people who supposedly held on to the very old information to keep it alive in their little societies have openly claimed to the point where I currently accept it, that what we call Venus is actually what used to be called Mercury. All right. So those in our minds, those would be the two so-called planets closest to the sun. But here's the thing. Has anyone ever seen Venus, what we call Venus? It is the brightest diamond bright piercing thing. And if that is true, what I just laid down, it's actually Mercury and all the older, more spiritually elevated texts. Why is it so bright? That's the human mind. That's Mercury, the messenger. And so when we begin to link up the archetypes being used, and again, go to Hoaxbuster, that man will draw a picture like nobody can. I can try, but his concise image-driven breakdown is better than I can do, frankly, even if I'm going at the same ideas. Anyhow, Jason. Oh, I should ask, is, is, his, is all his content still up, Jason? Do you know? Rose knows. His original channel had been taken down. He's got another one up, and I'm assuming that's all of the content because there's quite a few videos up there. I actually have it pinned. I did this a few weeks ago to the top of the Secrets of Saturn community group on Facebook. So the link to the Hoaxbuster channel is right there, and people are slowly finding that. And of course, I'm seeing comments that their minds are blown. There it is. It is so concisely presented with Simple images that draw the line from one to two, A to B. And if you take the time to stop and put together what he's laying down, you have in fact received a new way to consider information that could be of the highest benefit I can imagine in in the age we're in particular. As a matter of fact, it was so valuable before we got to 2020. After 2020, that's like someone coming up to you and handing you car keys. Okay, let's take a moment to talk about the concept of the Trinity. The alchemical Trinity is said to be sulfur, salt, and mercury. And we'll get to more on mercury in a few moments. So the Trinity idea is huge. Are there any Christians in the audience? What does the word Trinity mean to you? There's an archetype there, isn't it? And where I grew up, where Christianity is the main spiritual path, the Trinity is put into use. I hope you heard what I just said. It's a pretty big deal. When you get into alchemy, there's always a trinity. Now, let me go back to sacred geometry. Crow's sitting there and he wants to make something. So he gets out a piece of paper and a pen. What do I have to do? I have to make a dot. There's my one. Well, I want to make something more than a dot. So I'm going to make another dot and join those two things. I've got two now, but I can't make anything until I put the third dot and make a triangle. Now I can make form. This is an important basic concept to grasp because as Jason showed in alchemy, the Trinity is almost always referred to as sulfur, salt, and mercury. By the way, salt of the earth from the Bible, that's your body. The salt is the body, the the rough, gross substance. That's the salt here. You'll also hear it called spirit, 
soul, and body. It's the same idea over and over. But if you take it back to the geometry and get the concept that I can't build a darn thing till I get to three, I want to make a stool. How many legs does it have to have before it's stable and can hold something? Can't do it with one, can't do it with two. Got to have three. And as a matter of fact, to take that a point further, the stablest of numbers is four. Why? Because when you get four legs down, now you can really build some things if you're following that logic. Let's talk about something called the chamber of reflection, also called the room of reflection, the reflection cabinet, or the meditation cabinet. It is in Freemasonry the name given to the place where part of the initiation process takes place. It is used as a test of isolation during which the recipient is invited to perform some introspection. This is facilitated by the presence of symbolic objects and evocative sentences, which may differ slightly depending on the rites. This phase of isolation generally begins the initiation ritual that a layman experiences when he enters a Masonic course. Oh, it's an initiation, Jason? Is everyone putting one and one together? Your mind is being initiated using this very method. They'll call it the reflection room, the reflection cabinet, meditation, the word vitriol, which is not only a substance in alchemy, uh, each of the letters breaks down. And again, go see Hoaxbusters. I've never seen anyone break it down any better. If I'm not mistaken, he breaks it down around the phony construct that is Marie Curie, Curie which by the way, nukes don't exist without her, right? She's the one that invented radiation or discovered it. The point here is in the same way that a someone who has joined Freemasonry is going to seek to be initiated into this method, you, if you believe in nukes, have been initiated into this method. And you might say, Crow, what the hell are you talking about? I refer you to James Shelby Downard, who proved that we are always everyone, everywhere in a constant state of initiation. And he shows how they do it. By the way, Downard will show you why the name of the first nuclear blast is Trinity. If you're following, you can begin to put all this together in your mind and recognize that there's no reason to be afraid. Trinity, you say? Yeah, Trinity. Uh, White Sands, New Mexico. And the the colors, it's it's all alchemy. But yeah, of course, the first nuclear blast was done at, wait for it, the Trinity site. A number of evocative symbols and archetypal images are present in the Chamber of Reflection. They may be physically present or represented on a wall poster, painted, or engraved on the walls. Although the impact of the chamber's furniture must of necessity be personal, the symbolism relates to hermetic and alchemical correspondences. The chamber itself is symbolic of a cave, introducing the candidate to the alchemical element of Earth but also represents a womb in which the candidate is developing before going through his symbolic rebirth. The Chamber of Reflection represents a lot more, depending on the right. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Hoaxbuster clip where he gets into this uh, blows the lid off Marie Curie, proves outright that she's an alchemical construction so that the nuclear weapon nonsense can follow. And what's going on here is all these little principles from alchemy are being brought to bear. Why? Well, listen to this sentence that Jason just read. The symbolism relates to the hermetic and alchemical correspondences. That's a big word that most people don't think about. Go look at the seven hermetic principles. Correspondence is one of them. And then you will begin to realize nature proves this works. When there's a correspondence, that is not arguable. It either it is or it isn't. And that's what they're bringing to bear. But they need your buy-in. They need your sleepy mind. They need your subconscious. And they need you to be afraid. These are many of the things that make the initiation that we've all been through possible. Again, go read James Shelby Downard, King Kill 33, if you want to know something about how this is done. The following symbols would be used in conjunction with the Chamber of Reflection. The human skull and crossbones. Earlier, a full human skeleton may have been used. The mirror, hourglass, scythe or scythe, rooster, bread, water, candle, the alchemical trinity of salt, sulfur, and mercury, and phrases and inscriptions, predominantly vitriol 
or vitriolum. Crow, I'm going to let you say the Latin part here. <laughs> Erectificandoc invenies occultum lapidum. Go ahead and do the English, Jason. It's easier. <laughs> it is a bit easier. In English, we have visit the interior of the earth and purifying it, you will find the hidden stone. This can be another way of saying, look within yourself for the truth. This phrase must be present in all chambers of reflection directly facing the candidate. And this relates directly to what our good friend Fortune was trying to tell everyone about the alchemical process within yourself. Yes, and you will hear, just so everybody understands, vitriol is V period, I period, but vitriol is a word. We know this, right? If I'm mean to somebody, someone might describe me as being vitriolic, vitriol. You, you following? So this is like a quadruple entendre. Not only does it have double meanings, not only is it encoded in a process, not only is it each letter taken to mean a whole phrase, it goes on and on. But this idea, visit the interior of the earth and purifying it, you will find the hidden stone is almost always associated with the idea of the philosopher's stone. Let's be fair here. You're never going to read anything that matters much at, at, at any level about the philosopher's stone. And as Fortune told you, I could come give you, he could give me the perfect recipe, the steps I need to do the philosopher's stone. Guess what? I can't do it. Nobody can be forced to give away that level of achievement. Kings have tried it. There's stories where they said to the alchemist, I will kill you if you don't give me the thing. And he said, it doesn't matter if I give you the king, you can't do it. Um, and there's reasons for this, but just keep in mind the levels of encoding. V-I-T, each one of those is a letter in a Latin saying, which has a very important meaning in the philosopher's stone. Vitriol, the word, has a couple meanings. This is all associated within, I don't even know what we call it. So let's just call it the initiation level that's being applied to initiate you into believing that nuke's real. And I feel like I did a bad job, but one last thing, human skeletons, mirrors, all these things associated. One of the things is a rooster. As I pointed out, when they did, I don't remember which it was. I want to say Hiroshima, Jason. It was the year of the rooster. Maybe both of them. Do you see how this works? These archetypes, these initiations where people are being initiated, not even knowing, which is the big difference. A mason who is going through this process is seeking the initiation. Most of us, we're just trying to get up in the morning and have breakfast. And yet we're being initiated. See Downard, James Shelby Downard, and he'll tell you, that everyone's been initiated for the entirety of their life in this country. Radiation is said to be the emission and propagation of energy in the form of rays or waves. The first discovery of ionizing radiation is said to have been in 1895 by Wilhelm Röntgen. In the process of conducting various experiments of applying electric currents through different kinds of vacuum tubes, he discovered that, despite covering one in a screen to block out light, there seemed to be rays penetrating through to react with a barium solution on a screen he had placed nearby. After several experiments, including taking the first photo taken in such a manner, which was one of his wife's hand and skeletal structure, he named the phenomenon X-rays. This was only meant to be a temporary designation, since it was at that point an unknown, but the name stuck and is still in use today. See what's going on here? The x-ray. Hey, man, for the first time, we can see inside your body with these magical x-rays. And everybody knows it's true because they've been x-rayed. And as a matter of fact, the story of x-rays used to be you could stop at a street corner, put a dime or something in a machine and get your own x-ray. But guess what? Everyone started dying of cancer. Do you see how the narrative is propagated and, and, and brought up? Now, everybody knows that's been to a doctor in the modern era you go in to get an x-ray, which almost everyone has had, so they know what I'm talking about. And what does the tech have to do? They put on a lead vest and that magically protects them, right? Over the 20 some 30 years of their career, they're going to go in there and zap people with these deadly rays every day, but they'll be fine. They've got the lead vest on. And I know I'm making fun a little more than I should there, but do you see how even these important medical things that we use further the idea that you better be scared to death of these magical things you can't see? 
On December 21st, 1898, during the winter solstice, Marie Curie and her husband Pierre are said to have discovered the radioactive element radium. Radium is a chemical element with the atomic number of 88, and its symbol is Ra. Ra, or Ra, is, of course, a name for the sun god of the Egyptian myths. And we all know how much the mystery schools love their Egyptian mythology. And while we are at it, say Marie Curie several times really <laughs> fast. All right, let's do it together, Jason. We'll do it three times. One, two, three. Marie Curie, Marie Curie, Marie Curie. Pretty soon it's just going to be Mercury, right? You following? I don't know how far to go on this point because I don't remember. Are we going to do Pierre's death after that or should I do it now? No, I got it in here. Okay. So basically we are on the solstice, the low point of the sun in the supposed year 1898 and Mercury, I mean, Marie Curie, uh, by the way, once again, Hoaxbusters just blows this apart in one of his clips. They discover this magical radioactive substance that they're going to call radium. It's pretty close to radio, isn't it? And it's going to be given 88. Okay, let's. who should we talk about? Should maybe Marty McFly come into the picture? So w- what's the saying, Jason? Some shit's really going to happen when we hit 88 miles an hour in the car he's powering with plutonium, right? Yeah. They turn around and name it after the Egyptian god. but is it starting to fall into place? And by the way, it's the winter solstice in 1898 and Marie Curie and her husband discover this. How come we never, nobody's ever heard anything about Pierre? Well, we'll get to that. He had to be used in another make-believe way to get out of the way for old Marie. Marie Curie gave us the name that we still use today for the phenomenon we are discussing, radioactivity. She also had other pioneering works credited to her name with radioactive materials, including the discovery of additional radioactive elements, thorium, polonium, and radium. Marie Curie was awarded the Nobel Prize twice, once alongside Henry Becquerel for his discovery of natural radioactivity and her husband Pierre in physics for their work with radioactivity in 1903. Marie was awarded again in 1911, in chemistry for her discovery of radium and polonium. Marie Curie is also said to have conducted pioneering work in radiology, developing and deploying mobile X-ray machines for the battlefields of World War I. Wow, Mercury. I mean, Marie Curie is just an amazing individual. Uh, I still want to know why we never heard anything about old Pierre, but again, we'll get to that. So there's there's a pun I'm going to make. In the beginning of this, he's saying, oh, magical Marie Curie called it radioactivity. Well, that's two words, right? So we all know what radio is. We play it all the time. And so we're basically saying that this radio is active. Uh, remember what was that band? Jimmy page was in the firm. I think it was called, they had a temporary hit called radioactive. And if you listen to the words, what's he telling you? Yeah, he literally is. He's active on the radio. They're making fun. They're always making fun. But one thing I have noticed is anyone who won a Nobel prize is playing the game that we like to complain about. First of all, take a minute out of your day. One of these days, look up how the Nobel prize came to be and what it was that drove it into existence. And from now on, whenever you see someone win a Nobel, dollars to donuts, they've been initiated into playing the game. I wish I I can never remember the name of that picture where all the famous scientists are, Jason. Do you remember it? Everyone's there. Einstein, Marie Curie. uh, Anyhow, this famous image that I can never remember. I think the place starts with a V. It's, It's proven fake. It's another one of these things that is a construct. And this this really started to come to the fore when somebody eventually realized that Albert Einstein was always wearing the same clothes. So, of course, that was built into his narrative. Oh, he's such a quirky genius. He just wears the same clothes every day. I'm just saying, how is it that we miss these obvious, obvious tells? But when you can take a black and white image of all these famous scientists from days of yore and someone proves it fake, what more do you need to know? The official story of the death of Pierre Curie is that he was killed in a street accident in Paris on the 19th of April, 1906. Crossing the busy Rue Dauphine in the rain at the Quai de Conti, he slipped and fell under a heavy horse-drawn cart. He is said to have died instantly when one of the wheels ran over his head, fracturing his skull. Statements made by his father and lab assistant imply that Pierre Curie's characteristic 
absent-minded preoccupation with his thoughts contributed to his death. The accident was in the papers at the time, but a particularly detailed and gruesome telling of the incident was in the newspaper Le Humanité, a paper which was founded in 1904 by known socialists, which would later go on to be a communist newspaper. All right, here's one of the, the huge contributions that had been described, but never in a way like Hoaxbuster did it. Uh, if you go to his YouTube channel, uh, Rose informs me it's still a magnifying glass with the words Hoaxbuster written over it. This is a big deal because what's going on here is we've already shown you that Marie Curie is just Mercury. It's a clever way to hide the mercurial idea that archetype which they're putting into play. We've showed you the initiation or one of the initiations um, and the things associated and, and what a kind of old archetypal big deal it is. Here, Pierre, the guy we never really hear about, is going to die, but it's all his death is encoded in the Mercury symbol. He went to the crossroad. That's the bottom of the Mercury symbol. His head was crushed by a wagon wheel. Well, there's a little head above the cross and look at the little half moon, that wagon wheel above his head. I mean, when you start to realize the cartoonish nature of what's been done here, it puts you into disbelief. But we're not done because Mercury, or I mean Marie Curie, is also going to give her heroic life because the magical thing she discovered is going to kill her because they had no idea the power of nukes when they started playing with radioactivity. A photo of the two workhorses and cart that killed Pierre Curie was shown in the paper Les Matines. It was particularly interesting as it placed a cross below the wheel, which is said to have fractured his skull. It also made sure to note the fact that Pierre Curie died in the crossroads. All right. Do we need to go over the crossroads? Probably not. I would urge everybody to go back to the episode where I tried to demonstrate that Robert Johnson, the Delta Blues man said to be the father of all rock and roll, is a construct. He's a put up. As a matter of fact. I use the crossroad. I use Mercury to demonstrate that even in the most famous song, you know, Crossroads Blues, where he goes down to sell his soul to the devil, I take the whole thing apart. I tell you what the words mean. I associate it to the sky clock and the mercurial ideas it was drawn from because what was it doing? It was building a new frame of thought in everybody who's going to end up listening to blues and rock and roll. It's going to be a thing like you can't imagine. Well, roughly, a year or two after I did that episode, I started noticing that Robert Johnson was disappearing. And how could it be that the father of all blues and rock was disappearing? And what they've done is they are shuffling him off the stage because it's already been taken apart now. It's all a construct. He never existed. Jason even took time to take some of his music, the magical Wait For It 29 songs, the 9-11 encode because they lost one. Um and showed that it sounds like they were speeded up and Jason slowed them back down. And lo and behold, it sounds acceptable at that point. But here's the main point I'm trying to make. Um, they have replaced Robert Johnson now with a guy named Charlie Patton, who in my point of view is another construct, maybe based on a real, a real picture of somebody somewhere. But you see, this is what used to go on all the time before the information age, before we could all double and triple check, before we could have that picture in our hand or download it and examine it over and over and over. It wasn't just a television saying, look at this picture, now you're done. Um, this sleight of hand that was going on. And it is so critical to recognize that if you apply the logic of the crossroad to so many of these figures, you can only conclude that they are complete constructs, that none of it makes sense in a real world. The concept of fission is what is said to be the basis of how an atomic bomb would actually work. It was December of 1938 when the radiochemists Otto Hahn and Fritz Straussmann made an unexpected discovery while bombarding elements with neutrons in their Berlin laboratory. They found that while the nuclei of most elements changed somewhat during neutron bombardment, oftentimes becoming elements of a lesser weight, uranium nuclei were quite different breaking into two roughly equal pieces. The uranium split, not becoming new transuranic elements that some thought Enrico Fermi had discovered, but radioactive barium isotopes. Barium has the atomic number 56. Other fragments of the uranium itself is said to be left behind as well. 
The products of the Han Strassmann experiment weighed less than that of the original uranium nucleus, and herein lay the primary significance of their findings. It followed from Albert Einstein's E equals mc squared equation that the loss of mass resulting from the splitting process must have been converted into energy in the form of kinetic energy that could, in turn, be converted into heat. Calculations later done led to the conclusion that so much energy had been released that a previously undiscovered kind of process was at work, which was then named fission. You know, what world would it be if every effort was made to determine whether Marie Curie ever existed? And while we're at it, Einstein and the proof that can be so easily demonstrated is that whether or not there was someone there for the picture, what's attributed to them is a construct to the point where even what we're watching here is Barium has number of 56. Well, all of us listening know that's 11. Probably something interesting going on there whenever the mainstream tells me something like this. But then they're going to bring Einstein's E equals MC squared. It was taught to everybody in school. This is universally embedded in the subconscious of the world. And yet, what do I know about Einstein? Besides, he wore the same suit every day, which is now part of his mystique. The man made up gravity or was used to embed gravity into our minds. And if I can take a minute, I will show you that we shouldn't accept gravity. And here's why. It is a theory based on a theory. This brings me to a law I called the law of theory to try to help me to think. It goes like this. Any theory that remains unproven for years is a speculation of diminishing value and will therefore tend to be applied as propaganda in support of scientism the longer it exists. In other words, not only is it unacceptable, every day it exists, it becomes more unacceptable. And that is gravity in a nutshell. So how can it be if we can apply just standard logic to someone like Einstein and these fake beliefs that the whole world has accepted that we should, I mean, how can we accept any of this? I'm just saying, if you catch someone on a lie of a certain magnitude, don't you have to question every other thing? I don't know how well I delivered that, Jason, but I gave it, I gave it my best for a Sunday. <laughs> it soon became clear that the process of fission discovered by Hahn and Strassmann had another important characteristic besides the immediate release of enormous amounts of energy. This was the emission of neutrons. The energy released when fission occurs in uranium causes several neutrons to boil off the two main fragments as they flew apart. Here's the kicker, though. Given the right set of circumstances, it was thought that these secondary neutrons might collide with other atoms and release more neutrons, in turn smashing into other atoms and, at the same time, continuously emitting energy. Beginning with a single uranium nucleus, Fission could not only produce substantial amounts of energy, but could also lead to a reaction, creating ever-increasing amounts of energy. The possibility of such a chain reaction would completely alter the prospects for releasing the energy stored in the nucleus. A controlled, self-sustaining reaction could make it possible to generate a large amount of energy for heat and power, while an unchecked reaction could, theoretically, create an explosion of tremendous force. Which, of course, they proved to you is true because Hiroshima and Nagasaki just get nuked, dead, radioactive for the next 100,000 years or whatever they want to say. But the problem with this is part of the narrative of World War II, uh, you occasionally hear Japan couldn't win because they lacked the oil. If any of this was true, how could it be that, I mean, we're coming up on 100 years before uh, this is so far back that everyone didn't say to hell with oil, we can have this everlasting forever power. But there's more to it, uranium. I try to think of ways to let people think about this. And I think Jason will probably bring up Galen Windsor. Everyone should go look at those clips. I'm not sure what to make it of him, but what he is doing and what he is demonstrating is of critical importance. But it occurred to me about a year ago on... What's that television show? How is it made? Anyhow, people know they, they show like a blueprint is the advertisement into the show where someone's writing with a, a blueprint pen and they take apart a handful of things to show how they're made. There's one on uranium. Now go use the logic of the crossroad. Use the logic that's in your mind. Use everything at your ability to go watch how uranium is mined and then apply the logic to it. 
the simple point is this. In the very war they're claiming to have used this and prove that this energy released was mind-boggling, they're also saying that the person who lost or the side that lost didn't have enough oil to power what they needed to do or they might have won. It's all these things that are contrary to logic. It doesn't work that way. And I'll hit it one more time, Jason. There's never been a time when living things haven't existed in Hiroshima or Nagasaki. That is the end of the argument. That is something you can't explain away with the description of nuclear weapons that we have been given. Well, the odd thing about the fact that they're saying atomic bombs were dropped and all that, I've looked at a lot of stuff with World War II, and Japan really didn't have any chance of winning. At that point, they were smashed to oblivion. The United States especially, but I think some of the other allies were involved as well, were firebombing the crap out of them. They're on an island. How long could that possibly have gone on for? Well, let's use a little logic here. If anything we're saying about nukes is true, why would we believe any news that came out of World War II? It's the same damn source. They're claiming Japan's in this position. Someone else is in that. Wait, wait a minute. You just claimed that the most horrific event in human history ever recorded was done here, and we just told you it's a provable lie. So what does that do by necessity to all other information? As a matter of fact, Jason, we have a real problem right now. Um, my first law was to deal with all the, the, the nonsense of you know reptilians and aliens. Aliens are taking over the place. And I noticed that you can never get good footage of anything. So I made Crow's Laws of HD. Anything that truly exists that can be filmed in HD will be filmed in HD. But here's the problem. That's an important tool to have for someone who's trying to think through what they're being presented with. But unfortunately, we've reached a, a point where video or film is not evidence. It can be too readily faked. As a matter of fact, our common friend, and you know who I'm talking about, has been sending me clips where one of his friends took his face and merged it with Scarface with just tools that they can get a hold of. And it looks like Hollywood did it. It looks like the guy that you and I know and call our friend is actually merged with Al Pacino. If you go back to the crossroads footage of the Bikini Atoll and some of the other fake nukes that were dropped on the ocean or in the ocean... Look at them carefully, and you'll see that it is a Hollywood construct. The problem becomes that the blast wave and the wave itself, none of the boats move. They just disappear. Well, I grew up on the water, and I know what a wave does to a boat. These are faked. However, they managed to pull it off. And by the way, Jason, if I had to guess, I think you and I could both guess where that footage was faked, right? Lookout Mountain or Lookout Hill. What's it called? It's called Lookout Mountain, and since we're at the top of the hour here, I will preface that that's what we're going to be opening with in hour two, because it seems a lot of shenanigans went on there. The main point here is we've been trained that seeing is believing. That's no longer true. Video is not evidence anymore unless you know who shot it and the source is trustworthy. That's all I can say. All the video that I, that I presented to the world and people were telling me you faked it, I knew in my heart it was real because I shot it, so it didn't matter. But the problem became is all these people who didn't know me were saying I faked it. And then as people got to know me and understand that I don't lie for a living, that I'm not interested in being a liar, then that video at some level can become evidence of a real-world situation. The problem is everything we have on World War is coming from the newsreels. It's coming from Hollywood and Jason tipped his hat, we're going to go to Lookout Mountain. And that is within the sphere of the whole launching of the 60s rock movement in Laurel Canyon. It's all tied together. It's always been tied together from bloodline to everything else that goes in our world. But Jason, you want to add anything before I wrap up our one of 400? Well, again, we did a No Nukes episode on episode 53 way back when. It's probably one of our best episodes, I would say. It's the one that gets referenced often. And it's still a concept that a lot of people just struggle with. So we thought we'd revisit it, bring things up to date as we can, because obviously that was, I don't know, five years ago. And this is, man, episode 400. We've been at this a while, huh? It's been a long time. And I would point out that there are three episodes which really lend themselves to helping an individual have the tools to consider things and not be fooled. The first is No Nukes, episode 53. The second one is No Dinos. 
The third one is Robert Johnson being proven as a construct, and he is the father of all rock and roll. Do you see how all this ties together? We're about to take you to Lookout Mountain, saying this is where they faked a lot of the nuke, and that's in the heart of the rock and roll onslaught of the 60s. All this media, music, things that form the human mind all have a common thread going through them. But let's, before we close up here, let's rationally ask a couple questions. If you can demonstrate that nuclear weapons or satellites or dinosaurs don't exist as described, what does that tell you about every other single shred of information that will come out of the sources who have been telling you this? Do you follow the logic? It can't be trusted. It's like that friend you have that always lies. Do you believe what that friend tells you? Or out of the gate, do you know the intent and that it's likely you're not going to get the truth? Well, how is your TV or the evening news any different? And what we have said here, nukes don't exist as described. Satellites don't exist as described. Space doesn't exist as described. Dinosaurs never existed. And on and on it goes. If any of these things are correct, that one realization alone should give you an entire different appearance of the world and an entirely different way of thinking about what's put in front of you. Anyhow, there is hour one of episode 400. I apologize. I'm just exhausted today and it's a Sunday, which we almost always have off, but this is 400 and we got to get her in the bag. First hour is free at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. And members know to log in for the second hour, and there's going to be a lot in the second hour. And I'm not telling you to believe anything we've put down here. What I am asking you to do is apply the logic for yourself and go to the crossroads and challenge, and you determine what's acceptable. Because until that happens, it doesn't matter what's said anywhere. There it is, man. I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing. <laughs>